Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thank you for being here as always after what has been, I guess, a marginally better week for Arsenal than in recent times. We've won a Premier League game and on one of the greatest European nights in this club's history, we drew 2-2 with Standard Liège to finish top of our group because... Eintracht Frankfurt got beaten by Vittoria. If that is not the magic of the Europa League, then I don't know what is. Well, I do know what it is. It's this bit from BT Sport last night when (laughs) Martin Keown was supposed to be in the studio with Owen Hargreaves and Jake Humphreys. And towards the end of the broadcast, before they moved on to the next game, Jake Humphreys, the presenter, decided to have a a little dig at Martin Keown, a little sort of uh, take a joke at his expense. I don't think, and I don't know Martin Keown very well at all, but from few things I've read here and there, I don't know that he necessarily likes it when a joke is made at his expense. And this is, I think, one of the greatest interactions I've heard on a live broadcast in quite some time. This is what happened. All right. Well, thanks for coming and joining us. The fact you were late made the national papers. They can now write about the fact that after sitting there for a couple of hours, you're done. He was a good luck, Charlie. <laughs> Somebody jumped in front of a train. What was I to do? Yeah, no, that I is didn't very want to sad. say that. Yeah, that's horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, you know, we feel for them and their family. Absolutely. Listen, thank you very much for being with us, Martin. Thank you for being here. Uh, <laughs> I think that's what they call uh, real-life partridge or something. Real-life Alan Partridge going on there from... Jake Humphreys, Martin Keown, having none of your bants, mate. You can just stick it. Um, we are going to talk about this game. We're going to talk about the 2-2 draw with Standard Liège. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that it's a game that's worth exploring in any huge amount of detail, but uh, we'll pick up bits and pieces of it now in a moment with our guests. Uh, we are recording late on Thursday night, so making sure that we've got a podcast for you on Friday. We will, of course, be looking ahead to the Man City game a bit as well, and I'm sure we'll talk about Freddie and the, uh, the search for uh, a new head coach and how that's all going. Um, I don't know what we're going to talk about because basically um, we haven't talked about it yet. Sometimes sometimes what happens when I put this particular podcast together is that you do the interview first so you know what you've talked about, you can lead in, but I'm just kind of guessing. I know what I can ask the chaps and I guess they're going to answer that unless you know the conversation goes off on a weird and strange tangent and takes us someplace we didn't expect. Who knows? But those are kind of the ballpark areas in which I'm going to be talking to the guests, so we might as well get on with it. First up, it is Andrew Allen. Hello, Andrew. Good evening. And we have the man from East Lower. Hello to you, Jim. 
Good evening. How are you doing? I am all right. I'm going to start with you, Jim, because you wanted to talk specifically about the first half. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to talk about the first half. There's no need. There's no need to talk about the first half. And um, I'm just sort of curious as to your your overall thoughts on this, because, you know, as ever, there are people talking online about the game and people uh, with lots of opinions, very many opinions. And I think one of the opinions that I, I heard afterwards was Martin Keown saying that Freddie Jumberg should have played basically the same team that he played uh, against West Ham on Monday night to sort of introduce a measure of continuity into, um, you know, his his tenure as, as head coach or interim head coach, however you want to call him. And it just seems very strange to me. I know it was a little bit touch and go. It was a little bit dicey tonight. We got there in the end. We got over the line. We finished top of the group and that's kind of as as far as it goes. Um, you know, this was a game we really did have to make changes for. Yeah, I, I have. I would have more sympathy with that um, point of view if we were really clinging on to get you know, to to stay in the group um, because it is pretty much our best route into the Champions League. But uh, as it was, you know, we only had to not lose by something like four or five nil, and so I think he did the right thing. And um, and I mean, I I do sort of see the logic of you know, you've got to work with the same players and try and get them to actually work out who's who and who's got their left boots on and who's got their right boots on the wrong feet and stuff like that. But ultimately, it didn't really matter because uh, barring an absolute calamity, it was never going to be uh, in doubt. Mm. Andrew, the formation he picked tonight, he brought in uh, Dinos Mavropanos. He played a back three, primarily, I think, because we don't have any fullbacks uh, available. Kieran Tierney, obviously, is out for um, a significant period of time with a dislocated shoulder. Kolasinac, not brought. He wasn't in the squad for this one because he's basically the only left-back that we have now. Hector Bellerin, of course, is sidelined with a a hamstring strain, maybe available for for Sunday. We don't quite know yet. Uh, So he had to rely on Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So, you know, I think his team selection tonight was very much dictated to by the injuries that he had, and it meant that he could use Maitland-Niles and Saka as wing-backs rather than than as full-backs. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's funny, the the, the post-match uh, comments from Freddie Lundberg have already sort of suggested that Saka wasn't overly pleased to be asked to play that role. Uh, that role. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm sure that that was probably far more tongue in cheek than it sounds when it's written in a transcript. But um, no, I mean, to be fair to, 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 to Maitland Niles, who I think struggled in this role earlier in the season, he, you know, he did pretty well against West Ham and he had a, a relatively solid evening tonight. Although that said, he was off the pitch when we scored our two goals. Um, and actually I think what Saka had switched to a, a four, four, we'd had a four, four, two formation when we scored the goals. Um, I mean, looking at, I mean, playing three at the back when you you're basically defending a, a five a five goal lead effectively. I mean, it was a sort of sort of safety first slash. Let's just get who's fit on the pitch and give a few minutes to people. I mean, I, again, I when I watch Mavropanos, I don't I'm not really filled with any confidence. And um, you know, surrounded by Socrates and Louise, it's it, it made for a sort of slightly nervy looking first half. Mm. Um, but. You know, we got through this game. That was the most important thing. We came out top, which was a sort of bonus in the end. 
Um, I think we just need to try and get through the rest of the week unbeaten. I mean, um, <laughs> we've we, we've we've done quite well this week, and can uh, you know thinking about it, and and the city game now is really what's on the horizon. That's the one we need to try and get another result from. For sure. I mean, both their goals came from deflections off Socrates and uh, Mavropanos, so. A double Greek fisting, if you like, which is not something anybody would um, really go for. Um, you know, not within the confines of 90 minutes of football anyway. Um, so you, we were 2-0 down and obviously Frankfurt were winning and it looked like we might finish second in the group, um, which would make the first knockout round, Jim, a little bit more difficult. There were teams like Inter and Ajax on the cards and I, I, can't, I can't remember who we've got potentially now because there are still some games on but I think it's an easier draw because we'll we'll be um, we'll be at home and what have you so the likes of Bruges Leverkusen could be in there Shakhtar Donetsk uh, Getafe yeah there's some decent teams in there but you're not going to get the the most difficult teams Um, it it did look a little bit like um, well I was wondering where the goals were going to come from or or who was going to provide the moment of of inspiration, and I wouldn't necessarily have chosen Saka, although I thought he was he was bright. He was bright in the first half. He had an effort which went not far over the bar, and there was some real intent to the way that he played. But he's he's a player um, that Freddie Jumberg likes because he's worked with him a lot um, in his time at the club. He worked with him uh, a fair bit last season. You know. It's funny that it's a you know it's a kid. It's one of the kids who stepped up and and made the difference. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I think we sort of played played some pretty passes, um, yeah, which is our way, and you up, up to sort of up the edge of the box, and then did slightly struggle at that point. So well, you know, whipping in across like that was um, was beautiful, and uh, and it was a great cross. It, it's it's kind of cross Kieran Tierney. Tierney. <laughs> oh, poor old Kieran. Mm-hmm. But it's the kind of cross he had whipped in, and. Um, uh, yeah, it's interesting if you look at Saka because I think at the beginning of the season we'd have all said uh, who's who's like who which homegrown product is like to like to come through um, uh, on that side of the pitch or you know then it would have been it would have been Nelson but um, actually it's Saka that's made all, all the progress so you know penny for Nelson's thoughts but he's he's done really really well and he might not have wanted to play there Andrew but he did say it was a beautiful night for me apparently. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Freddie said uh, he was a bit upset with me before the game that he had to play wing back and full back because obviously he's a player who wants to make a difference in the in the final third, yeah, and I think he, he showed. Still yeah, did. Yeah, he did. I mean, uh, maybe that that's yeah, yeah. A, a bit of a lesson for him there. Um, you know, certainly the 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 second goal, uh, Jim. Just sticking with you, um, involved another young man who's had a big impact this season. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli, um, the, the sort of wall pass with him, and then the finish. But uh, you know, really did show drive and intent and a willingness to to sort of take a risk because there was a moment, maybe halfway through the first or the second half, rather, where we worked the ball to a position on the right hand side, and Smith Rowe picked it up, and I thought Smith Rowe had a you know a pretty good night overall. Um, you know, he he plays with a kind of desire and this this willingness to make things happen that that wasn't there but he ended up going backwards and I think we ended up with the ball back in our in the center circle something like that and it was just about maybe somebody somebody taking that risk somebody being brave with the ball and Saka was exactly that yeah and I, I think um it, it goes back to the you know it is confidence and I know it sounds like uh, you keep banging the drum for confidence but it makes such a massive difference uh, 
you know, they couldn't make the breakthrough. They couldn't probably didn't want to take the risk in their minds. And then you get one goal back and suddenly you'll try something you might might not have tried five, 10 minutes earlier. So, you know, that little sort of one, two, um, you probably wouldn't have tried it five or 10 minutes earlier. And, you know, that just got a little bit more about you and then a little bit more confidence. So, um, it was beautifully taken. And like you say, two incredibly young blokes, um, making it all happen. But, uh, yeah, the confidence is where it, well, we, we really should have got, we could have gone on and won that game. So, um, it made such a big difference. Yeah. But yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have done it before. He wouldn't have done it 10 minutes previously. I don't think. No. Um, Andrew, Freddie had some interesting comments afterwards. Um, one of which is where he says, I feel sorry for our young players. A lot of them haven't been on loan and they haven't had that exposure to men's football. Some of them made mistakes. And I guess he's thinking of Joe Willock, who, who made a bit of a, a mistake for the second goal. Um, you know, just trying to lay the ball off to Genduzi in the box. He said some of them made mistakes, but they'll learn from those mistakes and won't do it again. And then he sort of clarified what he meant a bit early, uh, a bit later on. He said, what I meant was that it's not fair to put the pressure on the young players. Experienced players need to take the lead. Um, interesting comments, given the way that the club operated this summer as well, in that they did clear the decks for these young players to to come through as well. I mean, is he is he saying there um, in as much as he can? Is is that a message to fans to sort of say, look, we're having to use these young players. Don't kill them because they haven't had the learning experience. They haven't had the benefit of going out on loan for a season, and the the mistakes they're going to make are probably going to be ones which which cost us. But in the long run, you know, we might benefit as a club from from their from their development at an early age. Yeah, I'm. Look, I mean, the weird thing about these comments is I look at the the, the team and. You know, Nelson's been on loan. Smithrow has been on loan. He didn't play um, though. Well, he didn't. He didn't play that much, but I mean, he definitely went away. The experience was was there. I mean, I guess yeah. I mean, it's not his fault. He was injured. Um, I mean, yes, Willock and Saka haven't had that, but then Saka's so young that it would be very difficult for him to have a loan spell. And actually, to be fair, he's come into the team and done brilliantly anyway. I mean, someone like Mavropanos, you look at and you think he could probably do with a loan. I mean, Gwen Doozy's come in and he's very young, but he, I mean, he doesn't need a loan. Maitland Niles has been around for a while now. Um, I, I think what he's trying to say is, in times of crisis, the last thing you want to do is kill the confidence of the young bucks by asking them to do all the heavy lifting. Um, and I think that was kind of why he's sort of started playing, probably why actually Emery started asking Ozil to play as well. He's sort of realised that it's, 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 it's very dangerous to play young players all the time, um, mostly because, you know, developing their confidence is as much a part of, you know, building fan confidence in them. And these players thrive off, like, you know, support and all the rest of it. If you if you ask them to kind of go into a high-pressure situation and they don't do so well and they've got the player and the fans on their back, it's not going to do them good in the long term. But um, I, I don't think I don't think the fans have been on the young players' back. I no, don't, I, don't, I, think, I, I think they've I been on everyone else's back. I don't know. I agree. I agree. I just I think the situation has been recently that, you know, people have been very, very tetchy in the ground. And I feel like if you continue to lean on young players and the results aren't going your way, then there's a fairly high chance that even they will suffer as a consequence. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I think there were slightly odd comments really from Bloomberg on this occasion because I just genuinely don't think that loan stuff here would make much of a difference. I mean... Mm. Um, 
I mean, okay, so then maybe could we um, could we suggest that the comments were perhaps a little bit aimed at the the club's strategy that maybe they're asking too much of these young players a little bit too soon that you know okay well, look, move, I, move Mkhitaryan I, yes. on move Iwobi on but but do it after you've sent Saka out on loan for a season and do it after you send Willock on loan for a season or whatever you know whatever could it I be mean, that? I, I think I think we are now looking at a situation where over the course of the last couple of months we've probably suffered for a lack of experience in in the team whether that's in the actual starting eleven, or just in and around the squad, whether that's Czech, Ramsey, you know, maybe to a lesser extent, Mkhitaryan, obviously Koscielny, um, Monreal, Monreal, you know, even someone like El Nenny, who's played international football for a while, like people who can kind of turn around to a young kid, put their arm around the shoulder and stuff. Now, it was always going to be risky what we were doing, especially when we did a load of business and then we tried to balance the books by getting rid of people at the end. Um, did we let too many people go? I mean, it's kind of easy to suggest so now that we're in a slightly bad situation. But yeah, I mean, I feel like the knock-on effect... I mean, Stefan Licksteiner gave a, an interview recently. Um, I think it was Will McGee in the uh, iPaper. And he basically said, honestly, I think they've let too many experienced players go because there's no one there now to sort of just put an arm around the shoulder on the training ground, middle of the week, um, you know, have a quiet word. Someone who has been there, done it, like... We've got really not many people who've actually been there and done it anymore. I mean, even our most experienced players like um, uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang haven't won that much. Um, yeah, I think maybe we're suffering a little bit from that. And it's it's we're maybe overloading the youngsters. But, you know, it's sink or swim for them now. And I think some of them you can see like Saka are going to be able to cope with it. Others like Nelson, they look a little bit nervous. Also, we, we, don't, we do have, I mean, we do have Murta Saka and Lundberg and Perez. Yeah, we do have people that have won stuff. That's probably why they're bringing them back. But and maybe that comment, you know, was aimed just as much at the senior players thinking, you know, him saying, look, we've had to rely a lot on young players, but where have the senior players been? You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Um, it put a bit of pressure on them as well because if anything, you know, they're the ones that have, um, you know, you can talk till the cows come home about Emery and what he did right and what he did wrong, but the players aren't without fault too, especially the senior ones. And so maybe it's just as much aimed at them. Mm. It's interesting, yeah. Jim, isn't it? You know, the the uh, here we are trying to read between the lines a little bit about what Freddie said. But in general, you know, in the few weeks that he's been there, he's been fairly upfront and fairly honest and, you know, hasn't pulled any punches in terms of the things that he said about performances and what's expected of him and, and what have you. And I just right. wonder if that sort of more clear communication um, is something that... Um, that's something that's been lacking. I know we, we I don't want to like well, yeah, do, do the Emery thing again. You know, I'm not being critical of that. He is what he is. And um, we, we all know the reasons why it was, it was more difficult for him, but it's been, it's been something of, I don't know if it's a comfort is the right word, but it's been nice to sort of listen to the words of the head coach or the manager. Right, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, but I think we, you know, I think we pretty much all agree that with, you know, uh, with, uh, Emery did, did bloody well to come here and, and dive straight into English. God knows better than most of us do when we go to the Costa del Sol. So uh, I, I think he, you know, it was hugely admirable. But actually, even when he could speak English, the message was was still sort of a bit buzzwordy and jargony, wasn't it? And and um, and I think that yeah, like you say, it is. You, you go from Wenger, who used to sort of pour forth with great intelligence at his press conference and journalists, and everyone would lap it up because it was it'd always be something intelligent or you know controversial or at least something interesting to say and, and, and Freddie's kind of gone back to that a bit with, 
with his openness. So it is, it's quite nice. Andrew, I mean, what, what have you made of Freddie's very short um, time in charge? Uh, you know, he seems to be very much talking about it, you know, on, on a game-by-game -game basis. It, it, it strikes me that he's not expecting to be given the job. Um, whether he keeps it to the end of the season until such time as the ideal candidate is available, that might be a different thing. But it doesn't strike me that he's really considering himself for it, you know, based on what he's saying anyway. No, I mean, I'd agree. I mean, you look at the fact that they pulled Mertesacker in from his role as head of the academy and you've got Sal Bebo, the goalkeeper coach, and Shad Forsyth. And it's an incredibly tight little... Uh, coaching setup that he's got there and they're all existing people in and around the training ground um, it's not like they've kind of said to him okay Freddie you know this is the situation you've got it till the rest of the season go and get us a couple of guys um, it, it feels like we're kind of doing a bit of a make do and mend situation at the moment until we make our mind up but it, it, it I, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that Freddie thinks he himself is ready um, mm. I think all of this has kind of been sprung upon him far quicker than he was imagining. I think he definitely has the ambition to be a coach, but he didn't always have the ambition to be a coach. Um, things have just sort of really accelerated. Um, I mean, you, you have to understand, I mean, like, what, three, four months ago, he wasn't even part of the first team setup, and suddenly he's the head coach of Arsenal. I mean, that's, that, it, that is pretty crazy. It is, you know, um, particularly as that sort of swap job thing with Steve Bold was something they came up with themselves. Because when it first happened, we were all thinking, okay, the club have seen something in Freddie with the under-23s that they want to harness and they want to develop. And, and maybe that's still the case, you know. They they obviously think very highly of him and, you know, he's a, he, he's a great guy and he knows Arsenal inside out and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it turns out it was, it was something that himself and Steve Bold approached the club about and the club were okay with it. Nunai Emery was, was okay with it, but it was, it was almost like Freddie saying, look, I want to, I want to get a bit more experience here. I don't think Freddie Umberg would have expected to be where he is right now. I mean, I'm trying to get my head around the idea that let's say the job swap in the summer hadn't happened with Steve Bold and Emery had struggled and we'd got rid of him, would be believing Steve Bold in charge as we are at the moment. I get the feeling that we, we probably wouldn't have done that in a weird way. Um, there's definitely something to the Freddie and the youth connection at the moment. I mean, I, 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 I'm sure we'll get onto it, but I do get the feeling that the fact that Freddie has this connection with the young players is, is absolutely key at the moment. Um, and at the same time, he's obviously wary of the fact that, you know, a lot is expected of the young players and he wants to manage them, almost managing expectations of him. He's managing the expectations of them. I think everybody has to hold their hands up and go, we're kind of in an unknown situation here with a lot of people who are untested and untried and haven't done things at the highest level before. Um, certainly not as coaches and in the young players' cases as players. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, I genuinely... We, we're going to need to get to a point where we get clarity quite soon, though, because it, as, as much as this is all fun and games for a few games, we, you know, we can't keep this up. We need we need clarity. Mm. Um, before we move on to what comes next, Jim, just sort of generally speaking, um, 
Like, how how should we look at the performance um, against Standard Liège? Should we even really look at the performance um, based on the circumstances we find ourselves in, the context we find ourselves in? Like, if, if Freddie Jumberg was the new manager who had been appointed, maybe we might say, okay, this isn't a particularly um, promising start. But, you know, we know he's there on a... a probably a temporary basis and we know that he's come in uh, at a very difficult period in the club's history uh, you know the worst run of form since the 70s um, before even we can remember um, which says a lot uh, you know is, is there a need not to just sort of step back and say okay we we needed to qualify for the knockout stages of the Europa League we did that we wanted to be top of our group we did that it wasn't altogether convincing, but when it comes right down to it, it's the it's the end result that we should be focusing on right now at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, if you want to if you want to make correlations between all three of the games he's taken charge of or for whatever it is now, uh, yeah, there's been periods you can do you can say, oh yeah, there's been a period of 10, 15 minutes where suddenly we went we were really good and the rest was pretty average. But to me, like you say, it, it was also pretty near a dead rubber you know I, I mean i know there was a theoretical way we couldn't have gone through but that always plays on your mind when you know you're essentially through that's you know and, and it was a very young team pretty much a dead rubber and so i i i think you you put it into a little parcel like that and say yeah well we did a pretty good job under the circumstances and and uh, there's no doubt that Sunday's far the bigger game. So um, I think it's I think it's I think it was okay. I think he mm. played pretty much the right team, and they did they did all right. And uh, and we we came top. But um, yeah, we didn't want to. It's not one to write home about. Mm. So uh, okay. So Sunday's a bigger game. Is it a bigger game or is it a more difficult game? Just sticking with you, Jim, because you know realistically, I don't have. Um, I, I understand the selection decisions. I know we've got a huge injury list. All of a sudden, it seems like we've gone from having a very full squad to having, um, you know, six, seven players sidelined. Um, it's a league game, of course. It's more important, but it's Man City and we're in not great shape at this moment in time. Um, I'm just wondering what way to look at this City game because I, I look at the fixture list and I see the quality of City. I, I know they're going through a difficult period and, and everything else, but, you know, they're defending champions and I don't have high expectations for this game. Um, I know we live in a world where you're only judged. It's a, it's an old cliche. You're only judged. You're only as good as your last performance. But that seems more true than ever. You're only as good as your last 45 minutes. Um, you know, you can get in at halftime and get lambasted and then, you know, win a game at the end and people forget that they've given you a load of shit at halftime. But, you know, I, I, I sort of look at the City game and think it's not necessarily a free hit. But if we lose this game, would anybody be surprised? I don't think so. For me, yeah. the more important games that we've yeah. got coming up are Chelsea, Manchester United, obviously Everton um, after the City game as well. So I'm not saying we should write off but City, the, but is, yeah, is that I, the kind of game that we should step back from and say, OK, look, if we get something from this, great. But if we don't, let's not lose our shit. 
Well, I mean, I think if you're talking about the fans, then yes, of course we shouldn't lose our shit because, uh, you know, it's a tough game. But uh, from a player's point, from a club's point of view, you know, if you if you go into any game with that attitude, well, this is not very good, is it? So ultimately they'll be looking at it as they should be as an opportunity against a team that's not firing on all cinders. We've just won our last league game. We're at home. Uh, suddenly Pepe's found a bit of form. We've got, we've got our Bamiyang and we could win it. So, you know, that's the way they'll be going into it and that's the way they should be going to it. You've got to start somewhere and, and I, I would totally agree though that as fans, you know, if we, I mean, I, I guess if we, if, we, if we fight hard and we still go down because we, they're just a bit better than us then to me, that's just, that's just normal, that's fine. Mm. Um, I think if we don't show up at all, um, and you know, it's not until the 85th minute that we have a shot on goal. Then, of course, then there's going to be a bit of um, and a, you know, a, bit, a bit of anger. But um, but overall, I think, I think the club should be going into thinking, yeah, this is one to win. We we you know we can do this, and then um, and then take it from there. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's a tough tough ask. Mm. Andrew, what are you what are you thinking about City? In what way? What way should we approach it? Is it the kind of game where we go in and try and go at it with a damage limitation? kind of mindset or is it one of those where you just go fuck it like nobody expects us to do anything let's have a real go here i mean i think i think the crowd will be quite up for it um you know we've 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 strung two games together where we haven't lost <laughs> strong um, i know this is where we're at though right i mean given given that you know if we'd lost on monday night and there's a load of teams playing on saturday that we could have potentially started this game one point above the relegation zone um, you know, I think we have to try and go into it with a bit of positivity. I genuinely think that, you know, if we go at them and get the crowd on side, that there's a chance that we could potentially grab a result. Now, you know, maybe that's just me being the, the usual hopeful footballer. But, you know, I look at Everton away and I think, you know, they're, they're in a, a, a similar situation without a manager, but they're also on home turf. Duncan Ferguson's just beaten Chelsea. You know, they're, they're going to be up for it as well. Bournemouth on Boxing Day, that could be tricky. I never like going down there, even though they're not in great form at the moment. You know, I mean, we we have to go for this because the points, really, when I look at them, they're, they're not going to tally up over the course of the next few months. They've got We've got so many hard games that unless we suddenly turn, turn on a sort of stunning run... Um, yeah, we're, 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 it's, it's really difficult. I mean, I think October and November and our run is really going to catch up with us. So I think we just have to go all guns blazing on Sunday and just hope that we can get a result. Hmm. All guns blazing. You don't sound convinced. <laughs> no, like I'm not. Look, I, you know, I'd be happy if we turned up and had a go and, you know, trying to play a bit. Uh, it's very difficult against the City side who I think are, are expert at putting their their boot on your neck if you like you know and exploiting the weaknesses of of the opposition by virtue of the way that they play of course you know they they will they will make it really difficult for us i think they'll have a lot of the ball maybe that might suit us in a weird way that you know there's no expectation that we're going to go out and absolutely take the game to them or or dominate possession for long periods. But, you know, if we do have Pepe fit, fingers crossed, um, because he missed last night with with the injury and Aubameyang and Martinelli and there's plenty of running power and pace and what have you, maybe that might suit us. But it just strikes me that given our defensive issues uh, at this moment in time, yeah, I, I can't be but, but, that confident. But don't forget also that big, the bigger playing against the bigger clubs puts a bit of a spring in your step. Well, actually, weirdly, we've done all right against those. Mm. Um, 
not Liverpool away where we decided to play out the back <laughs> and avoid the fullbacks. But by and large, we've done okay. We did, you know, we, we so, uh, and I think Emery's record against the bigger clubs, I know he's gone now, but it wasn't too bad. So um, maybe you'll just see, you know, a little bit more because it's a, the kind of team that we measure ourselves against. Mm. And it's the smaller teams that seem to, seem to struggle a bit against. Yes. Well, that's going to bring me to my next question. But what I'm going to do is just take a, a little short break here, which may or may not be an ad break in the podcast when people listen to it. And I'm going to come back and talk about that kind of thing right after this. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Andrew, Jim talked about measuring ourselves against Man City and the kind of club that we need to measure ourselves against. And I think, you know, that's obviously where we all want to be. Um, but do we have to now think about ourselves in a slightly different way as we look to the future and look to getting back to that position, if you like? Because there was a obviously a an effort to bring in some players of experience, Obama, Yang, Mkhitaryan, um, you know, focusing on those um, sort of players in around 30. And now we've discussed the shift towards younger players. Um, Emery was brought in as a coach with plenty of experience who could potentially get us back into the top four or win the Europa League. And, and that hasn't happened. So, you know, as we move towards this new era, whoever is going to be in charge, and we can talk about that in a moment, you know, is there a need for um, not just us as fans, but for Arsenal, the people running Arsenal, Josh Kroenke, Raul, Edu, and all those people to step back and reassess the stature of Arsenal at this particular moment? It's a good question. I mean, I, the thing is, you know, this uh, we started last season, right, up against Manchester City, and Emery came in and we were trying to play out from the back, and it genuinely felt like there was an absolutely huge gulf between Arsenal Football Club in its, you know, infancy in the new era and Manchester City under Pep Guardiola. And obviously... Manchester City at the end of last season won every single domestic honour and were it not for a dodgy VAR call or whatever it was, could well have gone on and won the Champions League last season. City have slightly dropped off this season and we have obviously dropped off even more. So there's a huge gulf still between the two sides and yet Liverpool are even further ahead of City. So 
I mean, I, I honestly, I don't think there's been a bigger gap between us and the best team in the country as big as this in 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 my lifetime. Certainly not in the in the Premier League era. Mm. Um, and it's very very difficult to kind of draw a line under everything. Go, okay, we'll start again because there's just a sort of finite number of seasons in my life left, and I'm starting to get a little bit impatient. And, um, <laughs> You, and I say that as the youngest one on this podcast. Um, oh, yeah. Hammer so, that point home. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm i willing to be patient, but mm. the next manager or the next head coach, it, I mean, Jesus, we need to get it right and we need to start showing some forward movement quite quickly because, you know, the, the, just, just playing nice football isn't going to be enough. We need to start winning honours. We need to be competing at the highest level of the game. You know, week in, week out, turning up and 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 just accepting that we're going to be a fourth place team isn't going to be good enough. It's a tough situation for the board. They need to show some balls. Um, and and I, I genuinely question whether the Cronky lot are the right people to to show that level of guts and determination because I'm not sure it's really there. They haven't shown it yet. Mm. Um, so then it comes down to people like Edu and 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 Raul and Lee. And, and and do they have the balls or do they have the balls and the knowledge to get it right? I think maybe they have the balls, but I'm not sure if they're necessarily, you know, going to make the right appointment at the moment. I'm slightly nervous about it. I have to say I'm genuinely nervous about who they go for. Yeah. And I think most of us will have a gut feeling the moment we hear who it is, whether or not we think it's going to go right or wrong. Yeah. Look, I mean, we can't uh, do anything but speculate uh, at this moment in time. But, uh, you know, Jim, it's not a case anymore that the the sort of trajectory that we were on, you know, Wenger's last season, Emery came in, he won more points in the Premier League. It looked like perhaps we were going back in sort of the right direction. And then this season, it's gone off a cliff again. You know, we can't bring in another Emery. Um, no, which is which isn't too morbid about. No, it, no, I'm not getting morbid, but I'm just sort of saying I'm trying to. I'm actually trying to be positive about this, and you know, I share Andrew's concerns about the the people who own the club and whether or not they're really the right people to push us forward, and and not just because you know they don't want to. I just don't know if they know how. Um, and um, yeah, but yeah, but but no, hear me out. Just I'm going to put this on you here. Okay. Um, my feeling is right now that that if Arsenal, as a football club, were to take stock and say, okay, there isn't a quick way to fix this. Bringing in a manager isn't going to make everything better in six months or 12 months. It might take 18 months or two years or three years. Is that not kind of where we are, that it's not so much of just patching up the little bits now? We've got to rebuild we actually have to do a proper rebuild um, in terms of how the football side of this club is being run. And that can be a positive thing. It might be a little bit frustrating in the short term, but if there's a long-term vision, th- that could prove to be the right way to go. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, you, to, to me, you know, it's where the, re- when the original question was like reassessing Arsenal's place i mean no to me like arsenal has always been a team that wins stuff throughout its history it also is a team that goes through quite long fallow periods in between and that's where we are at the moment but um but i I, if you look at how chelsea have done it we used to you know maybe kind of turn our noses up a bit but they used to if things weren't quite going right they'd sat 
sack the manager and move on and and regenerate themselves that way. And that's the cycle we've now got in. And I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing. Like you say, it might take a few years, but um, uh, I don't think you know. I don't think I'm, I I share the worries about this board. I really do with with the you know that everyone that everyone has you two have and everyone has, but but it's not unique that we've. Had had gone through quite long fallow periods and you know you could have questioned the board in any one of those uh, uh, the makeup of the board in any one of those so um but yeah i i, I do think it, it's quite exciting that we've got this like the young guys we can bring them through we've got a big change maybe not just on the pitch but off the pitch uh it might take a few years i think most people are all right with that if we know where we're going you know and that communication needs to happen so it is a big move is but in terms of what our aspirations are, they're always, always the same in my yeah. eyes. You know, they're always to try and win the league. No, sure, I'm not talking about what our aspirations are. I'm talking about a realistic way of getting there. You know, I think you're absolutely right. We should aspire to, um, to win the Premier League, and we should aspire to do better in the Champions League than we did for for many years, right? Um, and, and I think it's it's that desire for us to win things, which, you know, people. People maybe criticize Arsenal fans uh, at times for being impatient or whatever it is, but there's, there's, um, I think it's probably a good thing that your fans are demanding, if you like. Obviously, there's, you know, ways and means of doing it, but, you know, if none of us had any ambition for the football club, nobody would give a shit about, you know, who was coming next, who owned the club, what, what way we were playing or anything else. So that ambition is there and that ambition to sort of get back to, to winning the Premier League or challenging for, for the biggest trophies in the game. But it's about, it's about how, you, how you're going to get there. Um, I, I just don't know that there's a quick fix anymore. I don't know that just sort of buying one or two players is, is going to get us over the line. I think it's got to be something much more strategic and much more um, thought out which is, you know, again, why I have a little bit of worry about where we are. But, like, yeah. in terms of the profile of the people that we're, we're looking at, it's why, you know, Ancelotti's available right now. But, uh, you know, as good as he is and as uh, an amazing track record as he has as a manager, I don't see how it fits with Arsenal right now based on what we need to do with the club and where we need to take it. You know, so it's it's the profile of the guy that's coming in next. I mean, I think you're damned if you do and damned if you don't in some respects because, you are, you're, you know, I've, I've sort of thought about this myself in my head. What, what, what kind of guy do we need? And, I, you know, and I think on the one hand, you might need someone who's just can kick him up the arse and, and who's won it all. And then you think, no, 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 actually, no, you're right. We need to rebuild it. We need to start from scratch so you get someone like Arteta in. But Arteta's got no experience either. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it is you know, a very, very difficult decision. But you're right. It's not just going to be about the head coach. They've got to think strategically about it. And, um, and, that, and yeah, that's where people start worrying. But, um, and it makes it hard. But I do, I do sort of think that whoever they bring in is going to be like, like there always is an element of, there'll be a certain percentage of people think, yeah, that's brilliant. And, and, a fairly substantial percentage of think it's completely the wrong call as well. So in the end, they, they're just going to have to make their decision and, and hope that that kickstarts it and that they can also um, help that the, the man that comes in by making it very, very clear what the trajectory is and how we get there. And that kind of thing you kind of hope goes on in the back, in, in, in yeah, behind the scenes, whether it is, I don't know, but that's, they, they do need to kind of go hand in hand, don't they? Mm, they do. Andrew, I mean, that's, I think it's a really good point about what, what the communication is. 
uh, around whoever comes in next. Mm. You know, how do they frame that appointment? You know, because you could say um, when Emery came in, he was supposed to continue the work of, of Arsene Wenger. That was what was said about him, you know, to build on the platform that Wenger had created or, you know, as instable or unstable as that platform was in the last couple of seasons. That's what he was brought in to do. Um, so let's say they bring in someone like Arteta and they say, look, we know he doesn't have any first team uh, management experience, but he's worked with Pep. He's done this. Our vision is to, you know, develop the young players to, you know, buy smart and to, you know, over the next couple of seasons to get ourselves back to where we want to get to. I mean, do you think there's an appetite among the fans if that were communicated properly would people be willing to get behind that kind of appointment or is the is the idea like i i've seen a lot of time in uh, a lot of times in my mentions on twitter and stuff like that people say we need to bring in a winning coach we need to bring in a winner who can get us winning again winning trophies and all that kind of stuff which is you know great but like it doesn't really um it doesn't really resonate because you know it's like saying, we should never lose a game again. Of course. But, you know, that's not realistic. Um, you know, there has to be uh, something more to this than 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 the last appointment, I would say. Yeah. At the same time, I would say that if we are now, I think I've described it before as like, you know, probably politically incorrectly, but saying like we're in the madhouse with everybody else. I mean, we'd be naive to assume that us making even a successful appointment, that person would last more than about four years. Football these days, I mean, what we had under Wenger, what Manchester United had under Ferguson. I mean, Pochettino was very much an exception to the rule, making it to five years at Spurs. I mean, we're not, I don't think we can expect a dynasty again anymore, which means that people are going to come and go. That makes it even more important that behind the head coach, who will come and go, that everything, the structure behind all of that, the academy, uh, the board, uh, the common belief across the entire club about how you play football, how you create players, how you give them a chance, that all of that needs to be very solid foundations. Mm. Um, and I think that ultimately actually is probably more important in the long term. But at the same time, football is changing. Um we can't afford to be out of the Champions League conversation for long because of the money. And at the same time, there's all this stuff going on in the background about potential Super Leagues and all that nonsense. Now, none of us particularly want any of that stuff to necessarily come to fruition. But if we keep missing out on Champions League football, even for another couple of years, we're not going to get invited to stuff. You know, we're not going to get invited to the conversations that we got invited to when the Premier League was formed. And we kind of took advantage of that for ourselves. And so did Manchester United. And so did Liverpool and a couple of other clubs. No, we need to be part part of the conversation. So I can see that there's potentially a sort of short-termism, but also a long-termism. And they've got to kind of balance the two at the moment. And I, I, mean, I don't envy them. But right now, I mean, I would... I think we can still take a risk on 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 an Arteta, someone who um, has the potential to grow into the role. Who the fans can, I think, you know, more than anything right now, I think we need someone that the fans can get behind. Um, I think, weirdly, his profile as an ex-Arsenal player is going to play far better than many many other people out there, even if he doesn't necessarily have the CV. But there's there's a lot going on at the moment, and 
I think in some ways the club has done a very good job. You know, they they put Murtasacker in, they've they've brought Eddie back, they've kind of you know I I feel like there was some structure there that was coping with the post Wenger stuff, but. It's there's also a lot up in the air, and they mm. have to get this next one right. I think. Are you, yeah, I mean, just on Edu, for example, um, I was watching a video during the week, and I think it went out on the Arsenal women Twitter account. It's you know the everybody gives um, a day's wages for the Arsenal Foundation yeah. or whatever the charity is, and Edu was in it, and they're all going like, yeah, no problem, sure, you know, whatever it was, and he did his little bit, and and since he arrived. That's the only That's thing we've the seen. The only him. thing we've seen. It's really weird, isn't of it? Of our technical director. That is, that isn't just me being like demanding or anything. Is it? It's like that. That's a bit strange. I mean, I, I, I assume Jim feels this. I mean, I thought it was weird. I mean, I, I, I thought he'd be coming in, and I mean, he talked about it in the preseason stuff as being kind of very much a conduit between the manager and the the players and I figured he'd be kind of a bit of a you know whenever you see German clubs d- doing stuff with the press it's quite often their technical director is out there giving those kind of press releases or press moments or whatever yeah he's been very very low key so far mm. but uh, I suppose the only thing I'd say against that and, and I don't I don't I haven't followed it enough in terms of the structure of most European clubs uh, and like how many ordinarily would be uh, you know, in front in, in front of the cameras, and it, it strikes me that it is all like yes. Admittedly, we don't quite know what he's up to, um, but also, does he really need to be telling us all the time what's going on? And, you know, I, I'm sort of a bit torn between that because mm. I, I think some clarity would be good, but I don't think we want to s- sit down and hear from no you know, Vinay and Edu and uh, Raoul all the time, and we don't. And it's not how it works in most in, in most clubs. But I, I guess. Um, uh, some, some sort of yeah I mean to only have heard that is a little bit odd but then to have heard tons and tons would also be equally odd yeah no I guess you know it's balance it's balance I just mm-hmm. think you know in the he's been here since the summer and there hasn't been anything whatsoever from him about um, about what he's doing and look you know he doesn't have to give us trade secrets or or anything like that and I thought you know to be fair one of the areas in which there has been an improvement um, from the club side of things is is in the communication, uh, you know, at least from the Cronky side of it, whatever you think of uh, the Cronkies and KSE and Stan and Josh, and I think everybody listening to this will have their own opinions on that, you know, at least Josh is someone who will communicate. Uh, I just found it a little bit disconcerting that the first time we heard from Edu, he's sort of dancing around in a video talking about giving away a day's wages. But look, maybe he has got a lot more on his plate than we realise. And, um, yeah, we, we might have to And just... also, it's the kind of thing... Sorry, it's the kind of thing, isn't it, that you know, when, when, you're, when you're sort of looking at what's going on on the pitch and it's not going quite right, you look at what, you know, elsewhere across the club and you start perhaps... Um, focusing on things that you might not otherwise focus on. Mm. And, you know, there's definitely a little bit of that going on as who can I blame type thing. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not remotely culpable. He might, he might be doing tons. He might be doing twiddling his thumbs, doing nothing. But I think if we were playing really well on the, you know, if we were 
playing very very good football, nobody would be even talking about this. Yeah, that's true. But if you'd been playing really good football, we wouldn't be in this mess that we're in right now. So there you go. Well, no, yeah, there you are. Look, uh, it, it all does come down to what happens on the pitch. Hopefully, hopefully we get something positive on the pitch on Sunday and over the uh, festive period. But we better leave it there, gents. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Jim, the man from East Lower, thank you. Thank you. And Andrew Allen, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed to Andrew, who's at A. Allen Sport, and also Jim, who is uh, at East Lower. And he still blogs occasionally at eastlower.co.uk. Jim was one of the very first Arsenal bloggers, along with myself. There was James from Gunner Blog. There was Jake from Good Player. And I have to talk now a little bit about my friend, uh, Dave Faber, who many of you will know as Gunnar Holick from GunnarHolick.com. He was on this podcast many times down the years. And I don't know if all of you know, but I'm sure many of you have heard the news this week that he is in hospital. The prognosis is not great, and he's not expected to come home, which is um, kind of heartbreaking, really, because he is... One of the nicest, kindest, funniest, best men that you could ever meet. And I've been privileged to know him through the blog for however long it is that I've known him. I can't remember. It's many years now. He's been a big part of the Arse Blog community online and offline. Um, he's exactly the same guy. He's the same guy. He's as nice to people on his blog and Twitter followers as he is in real life. And he, he, he loves Arsenal. He loves this football club. And if you're Arsenal, you're all right with Hollick. That's for sure. Because I think he invented something, actually. You know what? I've been writing and blogging for many years, but I think he invented what I might call um, partisan diplomatic criticism which is to say that if an Arsenal player didn't play well or if the team didn't do well or things were going poorly, he had a way of saying things which I don't quite know how to explain it. But, you know, let's imagine a defender went for, you know, he had a poor game. He had a really poor game, not for the first time. Um, Some of us might be more critical than others. We might use language that in the cold light of day we could regret from time to time. But not Dave. He would always say something like, well, that wasn't his finest moment. Or uh, (laughs) he felt the pressure there a little bit, whatever it might be. He'd never go in two-footed on the team or the player or even the manager. And look, we all have our own ways of doing things. But I always thought that was really, that was something that, that set him apart. He is one of those men that when you meet him, you understand that even though we live in a time where it's hard sometimes to uh, to remember that there's good in the world, that there are we're so surrounded by things that are are bad and things that are going wrong that we forget that the counterbalance to that are the people who are just fucking great. And he is one of those people. He make you laugh, even if you lost the game and you end up back in a pub with Dave. 
you might be upset, you might be frustrated, but you know, a couple of pints in, you're having a laugh, you're having the crack, and he was always at the center of it all. He was on this podcast many times down the years, and he hasn't been for a while, and it's not out of anything other than I just kind of always thought there would be more time. You go, I'll ask him next week. I'll ask him, oh, I'll ask him next week. And then things happen and you go, I'll ask him the week after. And you don't get to a point where you don't think there's going to be another week. And uh, unfortunately, here we are. There isn't going to be another week. There isn't going to be another holic appearance on the Arscast. And I'm very uh, sad about that. And I'm kind of upset with myself about that because he should have been. He should have been. Uh, I should give a shout out to the Burkamp Wonderland podcast on which Dave was a regular, and I'm sure you guys uh, are feeling just as sad about all this as as I am. Dave, I don't know if you're going to hear this. Um, I, I hope that you do. I hope you know that you gave such a lot to all of us, whether it was on your blog, whether it was in your podcast appearances, whether it was sitting in the Tollington, drinking a pint and holding court, telling stories about Arsenal from days gone by. I, I hope you know it meant so much to so many of us. And we love you. Thank you for being just the best guy. And thank you for being such a great friend and... Thank you for when your website went down. You didn't give out to me too much because it's hosted on a server that I have. You would just say something like, Andrew, could you uh, give the old server a kick there? No criticism. No anger. Just, you know, Andrew, you didn't have your best moment there. <laughs> so... If you're listening to this, please raise a glass to Dave Faber, Gunnar Holick. He's given so much to uh, so many of us online, offline, in real life, in this virtual world that we all think is so important. Um, we'll, we'll play it out with a song, I think. He, he, he loves music. He loves music. And this is, this is one of his songs. So we'll leave it there. James and I will be here on uh, Monday with the Arscast Extra. We will talk to you then. Thank you very much indeed for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. There's a man I meet Walks up our street He's a worker for the council Has been 20 years And he takes no lip of nobody And litter off the gutter Puts it in the back And never thinks to mutter and he packs his lunch in the Sunday's back Children call him boogie He never lets on But I know cause he once told me He let me know a secret About the money in his kitty He's gonna buy a dinghy Gonna call her Dignity And I'll sit her on the west coast through villages and towns I'll be on the holidays They'll be doing the rounds They'll ask me how I got it I'll say, save my money I'll say, isn't she pretty That she calls 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 